0: Longevity is mostly related to a state of inflammation. When we start to have an increased destruction and not the capability to resupply, that's when we tilt the point in our return and we start that process of aging that will bring us down.
1: If you want to live like you matter, ditch the pills, look great, and feel freaking amazing, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubo.
0: I'm Dr. Ed Levitan. Welcome to the Five Journeys Podcast,
1: where we empower you to live a vibrant and healthy life by optimizing your structural, chemical, emotional, social, and spiritual lives.
0: Hang on to your hats.
1: Welcome to the Five Journeys Podcast. Live like you matter. I am beyond psyched for our guest today because it's Dr. Alessio Fasano director of the Center for Celiac Research and Treatment at Mass General Hospital for Children in Boston, Massachusetts. He's the author of Gluten Freedom, a book for general readers about celiac disease and gluten-related disorders, and co-author with Susie Flaherty of Gut Feelings, The Microbiome and Our Health, published in March 2021 by MIT Press. Welcome, Dr. Fasano.
0: Thank you, Wendy. Very welcome.
1: So I want to talk about zonulins because literally when I read that paper, I was like, "This is this is the root cause of autoimmune disease. This is why you get brain fog. This is why people get so sick." It's just fascinating to me. Like, how would you how did you get into zonulins?
0: So long, long time ago, um, I was very much interested um, to how microorganisms interact with us, how they can cross talk, and what is the outcome of this interaction. At that time, you know, we were looking at one microorganism at a time, not as we do now with this whole, you know, ecosystem that we call the microbiome. And my interest was on cholera, believe it or not. Um, Because, you know, when I went to medical school and I was trying to find a niche to save the world and I was thinking to get in research with cancer or something, My boss at that time that became my mentor said, "Uh uh-uh, you don't want to do that. You want to focus on diarrheal diseases. I said, you're joking, right? (laughs) Diarrheal (laughs) diseases, it's not glamorous. Are you shitting me? (laughs) That's right, are you shitting me? And he said, you know that every year, this was again a while ago, five million kids die because of diarrhea, and that changed the prospect of the story. And, you know, the following few years, I studied with him the physiology of the Dustin, doesn't tried. And again, in my naive kind of approach on life, I told them I know everything about the host. Now I need to uh, learn about the bug. Where, where, should, where should I go? And he said, well, I, I think that the best place is in United States, in Maryland, in Baltimore. The place is called Center for Vaccine Development. They do this kind of stuff on enteric pathogens, including cholera. You go there. And for the following two years, I was in Baltimore, studying you know, this bug and ultimately to develop a vaccine. So in other words, something that eventually can be given to kids that will not die of cholera. And the approach taken was to take the bug and take it out, the um, weapons that he used to make this purging diarrhea that make people dying with, with cholera because of dehydration. This was at the very beginning that molecular biology allowed us to cut and paste genes. So there was very cool stuff. And eventually I was put in charge in doing that on this bog. And after a fair amount of time and a lot of failures, I was able to develop this live attenuate vaccine that did not produce this huge a diarrhea in animal models because the bug did not have the weapon anymore. There was this very powerful toxin that is called cholera toxin. Time was ready for prime time so that we had to give this to volunteers. Volunteers meaning medical students. Obviously. <laughs> a fair amount of money.
1: Wait, 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 Alessio, did you give them cholera and then test the vaccine on them? Or like, how did you test that it worked?
0: Exactly. (laughs) The the way they went was they were paid a huge amount of money, $500, (laughs) to be locked in because, of course, you don't want to spread cholera around in a facility at University of Maryland. And you had three chances. One, placebo, so water. So you will take $500 for nothing. Two, my vaccine that will work because I showed in animals that they were not sick. Or three, the real deal, you shit your pants, but we would take care of you. Two out of three though, was in your favor. So that was the premise. And we did the trial. It did not work. I mean, you know, the placebo didn't get sick. The uh, folks you know um, that you know got the real deal end up to have up to 10 gallons of diarrhea, but we took care of them. The ones that they got the color of vaccine had much less diarrhea, but still enough, a couple of, of, of gallons of diarrhea that made the vaccine not suitable. So bottom line, in two years, just flushed in the toilet, literally. Um, so I got drunk for a couple of days. I didn't show up in the lab. And years, <laughs> okay. But <laughs> in the press. And then, you know, again, uh, typically would we'll distinguish, uh, you know, somebody that has the intellectual curiosity to do research. I went back to the blackboard and said, what went wrong? How come that, you know, this vaccine did not work? Um, and, you know, end up to discover another toxin besides, you know, the, the powerful one that I took out, you know, by genetic engineering, the vaccine, that rather than, you know, purge water through the cell, as the typical tox they do, they loosen up the space in between cells. So these gates that keep the cells tied together, um, there was a black box at that time because we little knew that this space was dynamic. There was just the beginning understanding that, you know, you can even increase you know, um uh, opening of the space in between cells. And um and, and therefore, you know, this toxin was a brand new category of toxin with a very different and, and peculiar mechanism of action. And I start to study the mechanism of action, I got more and more inside of what this key open this gates in between you know cells do to reach the point in which G I mean, you know, this toxin goes after a very sophisticated machinery of these cells. I can't believe that this machine is there just to be the target of a bug that makes us sick. Probably cholera has been smart enough to understand and exploit something that we do for other purposes ourselves. So that led me to think there must be a counterpart molecule that does this job for us to open and close these gates in between cells and that's how we discovered you know the first member of the zonin family
1: that was in the brain right it wasn't in the gut i think
0: at the beginning we we uh well actually we discovered you know in the brain the receptor and there was the brain first but then you know we discovered these families that is they are everywhere they are in the gut they are in the heart they are in the brain the kidney and so on and so forth and of course, you know, in 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 after the discovery, we start to ask what this molecule does for a living. Why we have it, and we realize it's important for some physiological reasons. And as typically happen when you push physiology to the limits, you get into the disease, you know, um, um, territory, and you know we start asking, you know. What kind of disease may I have an issue, in which you don't control the trafficking of the junk from the environment into your body, that can eventually have you know consequences. Of course, you know food allergies, you know um, chronic inflammation. They were on, on on the list, but I was very much interested for personal reason in our immunity, and that's how I focus mainly on autoimmune disease because that's also an issue in which we little knew, um, you know that beside the genetic predisposition and, and the exposure of something in the environment that makes you sick, there is also the need that this instigator needs to come in our body. And there was no port of entry that we we're aware of. You know, these are molecules that are very large. These are in general proteins that we instigate in the immune system to mount an immune response against their own body. And, uh, and they cannot come through unless something goes wrong in these gates. And that's how and the rest is history.
1: So I want to go back to the work that you're doing. So are you allowed to talk about the medicine? Because I never want to eat gluten and it's gotten 95% better, but I, you know, I'll still get a headache. I'll still have some brain fog and my gut still well, reacts like
0: tiny, tiny amount of cross contamination. Oh
1: yeah. Tiny cross contamination. So, so. So can you talk about the medicine you're developing and when's it going to come to market?
0: <laughs> no pressure,
1: Alessio, but I'm really yeah. been waiting for years. So,
0: um, you know, the medicine that you're alluding to, this lorazidide, is an inhibitor of this zonalin. So in other words, it binds to the receptor and doesn't allow zonalin to single the cell to open this case. Um, and it's been developed now for a while. It's now in a phase three trial for celiac disease, we end up to uh, have the possibility to use the same molecule because, you know, Zonin is involved also in the pathogenesis, some long COVID complications, particularly in kids, uh, what we call the multi organ inflammatory system uh, or MIS C syndrome, MIS C. Um, and now it's in phase two trial there. What this molecule does is stop this trafficking you know, uh, for for celiac disease of gluten, uh, for MISC of this spike protein from COVID-19 from the gut into the bloodstream that caused the the cytokine storm that makes this folk six and so on and so forth. You know, drug development is a very long and inefficient route. Uh, You know, now we talk about phase three for celiac disease. The phase three is still ongoing, may fail anytime or may be successful anytime. So when you say, how long it takes, I don't know. The only thing that I know for the little that I've been involved, and I, I work in academia, but you know, I, I helped to set up this company that you know now uh, is non-existent anymore. That was in charge of this molecule is when you bring this molecule from the doorsteps of science to clinical applicability. The success of failure depends not on the science anymore, but business choice, study design how you cut corners and you do this right, uh, economic crisis like we had in 2008, so there was no money to do any trials, a pandemic that makes recruiting impossible. So there are so many things that can derail you know, the process. So I cannot answer the question if and when this molecule will be on the market. But the idea is indeed, as your beloved husband was saying, a safety net so that you know that all the time, particularly when you're outside of your household because at home you know what you're doing, there is a chance that somebody will not do the job right. Taking the pill that will allow you to have that peace of mind that you will be protected in case cross-contamination, you know, makes a world of difference for celiac disease for which we know the trigger. Imagine all the other immune diseases for which we don't know the trigger, so we don't have the option to take anything out that will protect eventually if it works also for these other immune diseases to have this trafficking of God knows what that makes these people sick. What are the downsides out of curiosity for the drug too? Uh the downsides is that you have to take this every single time that you eat because there can be a good thing or a bad thing, because it, it, it it's action, it's like for two, three hours. And therefore, you have to take this often. But on the other hand, the fact that they're short-lived avoids complication and blocking the system that must be there because we need it. Um, uh, And and it acts in the gut, so it doesn't go systemically. So in general, the side effects are due to uh, the presence of something that doesn't belong to your body in your bloodstream, and this doesn't go there. uh, so, so th- these are the, the, the features uh, at advantage. Uh, you have to take that for life because there is n- not a cure, uh, a treatment. Um, so that's that's the other downside. To this. so when are we getting the CRISPR change, gene change to fix all the celiacs? Hey, um, you know, I don't know if genetic, ed- gen- genetic editing would be the solution, actually. Um, you know, personally, you know, if you're born with the genes, I mean, we talk about serious disease, but we can talk about, again, anything else, Alzheimer's, breast cancer, and so on and so forth. The gene editing, it's, it's such a difficult path to follow, but I believe that Learning what kind of mistakes that made us to accelerate the incidence of this stuff will allow us to do what I believe will be much easier prevention, primary prevention, try to intercept that rather than fix when it's already broken. So my dream is to be the Jeff of the situation. So that you come to me to change your oil rather than the mechanic of the situation that you, because I am the mechanic now. You come when your your engine is broken and, and I have to fix your engine. You know, it's much more complicated. It's much more costly to do that. And in that sense, we have two big projects ongoing. Um, that one is on celiac disease and the other one is on autism, to try to understand on a specific genetic background of risk, because these are neonates that they have somewhere in the family with either disease, how come that some of these kids will eventually derail and develop celiac disease or autism and others they put and would not. And we do what we call now this multiomics. We look at their genes, we look at the microbiome, we look at their exonins, we look at their proteomics, the metabolomic profiling, and trying to see these, any sign that will suggest me that they are making that turn that will lead to the final destination, that's the wrong one. And now we start to see that there are, particularly the in the microbiome that epigenetically will make emotion some genes that will influence gut permeability or permeability disparities because this biosis will increase zone, that eventually will start the march from genetic predisposition to clinical outcome. And this requires a huge amount of data that needs to be modeled through artificial intelligence to do prediction model so that if I know that when they shift. The microbiome in a certain way, and the model is telling me that because of that, in ten years, her chance to develop Alzheimer is seventy-five percent. Uh, you know, I have a way to bring her back, and say I changed the microbiome, so I epigenetically turn off what has been turned on, and this is not going to happen. Prevention again is much cheaper than treatment, and and by the way. Um, because the goal is quality of life and containing the, the, the healthcare expenses, it's a win-win situation for everybody, for the patients, for the health insurance, for who cares about our population in terms of political, you know, social issues and so on. So I see this as a future, you know, your office, for example, somebody goes to Wendy's office and that will be me. I give her my genomic chip that I have on my chain here she looks into the computer with 23,000 genes. And she will eventually receive also the stool samples that I brought with me because she told me to do so. And she's going to put in the back of her office in the machine that would analyze the microbiome while we talk. And, you know, we'll also do some epigenetic analysis. And by the time that she finishes finish her physical exam on me, she has all this data in the computer that is now comparing this data. To get a zillions of similar data that model what will be the outcome when all these pieces they come together, and she would tell me, "Yeah, Alessio, you are fine. You will live healthy until age seventy-two point five. After which, you have ninety-two percent chance to develop, you know, Parkinson." And we need to change this by manipulating what I can that is your microbiome and this is what you need to do. Come back in six months and let's see if we made this happening. Come back in six months, we go through the same routine. She do the modeling and say, oh, that risk for 92% now is 5%. I think that that's stay put there. And she can give me probiotics, symbiotics, prebiotics, a diet because I'm pretty sure that the future is most of the diseases can be handled with the diet because of what I'm telling you, that the microbiome is so influential for semi, so many reasons why we, we develop diseases that, you know, as we derail by changing the microbiome, we can bring this back. Uh, and when I say microbiome, I intend, you know, the zone, the antigen traffic and all my yards because they all influence each other. Uh, it would be much better to do that way I mean, that requires quantum quantum computing, I my guess. Well, with- uh,
1: Genova Diagnostics is doing that now on the stool samples. It's a report that drives me nuts. And we asked, we said to them, this report drives us nuts. It drives the patients nuts. Put it towards the end because people would get stuck on people with your similar microbiome often have these different things. It's still there yeah, where they go the a, up and the down. Like it's so it. hard to oh,
0: look at. The Genova principle is it's it's correct. It's not mature, though, for prime time use because we don't have all this data. We don't have that mathematical modeling that's been built. That's what we're doing now. But we have to... Before running, you need to learn walking. And before walking, you need to learn crawling. We are barely sitting and not standing. Yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: even think we're pushing up. You know, we're exactly. flat. We're flat. Just try to turn your head to, to
0: Exactly right. <laughs> but, but we will be able to at some point. So, but, you know, again of course, there are some, it's not, I'm not saying this is the, the Genova's case, but there are some companies that are trying to really exploit the potentials running what we don't know how to run yet. And, and you, we may take misstep. So to speak. Um, you know, and again, because I know what kind of, 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 of healthcare business you guys involved, ultimately, our goal as healthcare professional is to improve the quality of life for people. That's what it is. No more, no less, no matter what it takes. And, you know, for me, you know, when I got pushed push back and said, geez, you know, you're saying that we're, you know, doing some, so many things wrong right now, but you know, life expectancy now is eight years. It's not 14 years, like was, you know, two million years ago. And uh, and, and that's, that's true, but how we achieve that goals, major milestones. You know, we were spending 95% for food procurement and 5% appropriation. That's what we we're doing two million years ago. Uh, you know, when we, uh, with the advent of agriculture, domesticated the food and crops, there was a major milestone 10,000 10, years ago. Now we free up time to build uh, the Eiffel Tower, the, the Colosseum, uh, because now we can unleash the creativity. We have more time. But, you know, When we reach the point in which you ask yourself, it's better to live up to 60, but self-sufficient healthy, or up to 80, but on a wheelchair with the tube of your nose and, you know, pull-ups because you shit your pants.
1: Quality over quantity.
0: Well, it's health span span versus lifespan. That's right. I believe that both can be achieved if we made the right choices that are not that hard to, you know, put on a piece of paper, but extremely hard to implement. To we'll go back to the zonolins, for example, longevity longevity, is mostly related to a state of inflammation. As a matter of fact, you know, it's called inflammation. All our cells in our body, they are destroyed and, you know, resupplied with new cells with a few exceptions. One, we Start to have an increased destruction and not the capability to resupply. That's when we tilt at the point in our return, and we start that process of you know um, uh, aging that will bring us down to a point in our return and we die. Unless I mean, again an intervening disease will, will speed up the process. If you look at ultra centenarian, their level of zoning is extremely low compared to people in the 40s or the 50s with cardiovascular diseases. It all ties in. Uh, Unfortunately, we got to actually... I
1: could legit chat with you all day. So Alyssa, uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. Is there something in particular you want people to follow you on or find you or like which both books? Like what what do you want to tell
0: people And as we sort of close down? I, I think that again, most of the stuff that we discuss is um, in the book that Susan and I put together. There was a work of love and, and and sweat and pain because we're writing on the microbiome when you write a chapter and then you move to the next and the previous chapter already obsolete because you know, the literature, there's, I've never seen anything like this. It's still hot, 700 papers a day comes out. I don't have any comparison, any other field in the past. And, and and that yeah I you know again we we try to really put some fundamental pillars that would not change in the discussion there so that the book would not become obsolete. As a matter of fact, we finished the book, wrapped it up, given the editor that COVID came, so we had to wrap. You know, that part, I mean, that was impressive.
1: So, okay, so go read the book. Go get the book. Gut feelings, the microbiome and our health.
0: I think that would be a good resource to rationalize why you need to do some changes or you know um, lifestyle choices um, to be capable to make full use of your potential of whatever Mother Nature gave you genetically, and 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 play your cards genetic cards well, so that you, know, you can win the big game no matter what. Awesome.
1: awesome. Dr. Fasano, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Five Journeys podcast, Live Like You Matter. If this made a difference for you, pay it forward. Write a five-star review so other people can discover it and tell your friends. Have a great day. Don't go it alone.
0: It's not a social journey until others join.
1: Share this with your friends.